Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's, let's celebrate together. Hey, this is Taylor, and welcome back to Elevate Retake. We want you to experience faith as the continual everyday process of learning more about the Bible, ourselves, and God. And we believe that this podcast will be just what you need to come to a closer relationship with God. The title for this episode is The Least of These, and your engaged question is, Can I Wash Your Feet? A key passage we will be taking a look at is found in Matthew 25, verses 34 through 36, and that reads, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me, I was thirsty and you gave me a drink, I was a stranger and you invited me into your home, I was naked and you gave me clothing, I was sick and you cared for me, I was in prison and you visited me. The key theme we will be taking a look at is the return of Jesus drives us to radical other-centered love. Well, welcome home. There's always room for one more. Glad you're here this morning. And today we have the opportunity as a community to come close and do something that Jesus told us to do. Uh, in a couple minutes, we'll break for foot washing. And if you haven't uh, if you don't, that's new to you, that's okay. We'll explain it. We're going to be outside and serving each other through the washing of our feet, symbolizing the washing that God does on our hearts and in our lives. And then together as a community, we get to partake of a little bit of bread and a little bit of juice in the way that Jesus told his disciples to do right before he passed away. When you're wondering, what does that have to do with the return? Because we've been talking about the return of Jesus and the passage that we're going to be looking today the passage we're going to be looking at today falls right in line with this idea of service to each other and in communion. So, the question was asked a moment ago, can I wash your feet? Now, those of you that are English teachers uh, or like to, uh, you know, make sure grammar is correct, probably the better way to ask that question is, may I wash your feet? Of course. But, you know, in our everyday vernacular, the may only comes in when we're being very super formal and, you know, just kind of making sure that we're, you know, all ready to go. So we're going to roll with can I wash your feet this morning. But here's where we've been. We finish, we're finishing today with the last two parables of the return in Matthew 25. Jesus has told us about the signs of his return. Remember the, the fig tree that we're supposed to look for when it buds, when it starts to come out. Spring is near, summer is near, the fruit is about to come. Jesus' return is just around the corner when we see wars and rumors of wars and famines and pestilence and pandemics and crazy political shenanigans. Last week, we looked at a couple of parables, how Jesus told his disciples about the servant who was potentially faithful and then potentially unfaithful. We looked at the wise and the foolish virgins and the people who are called to shout the second coming of Jesus, and we realized our expectations shape our outlooks. How we expect the return of Jesus to happen, when we expect the return of Jesus to happen, that shapes how we see each other and how we see the events in the world around us. And today, we're going to dive into two parables. You may have heard them before. The parable of the talents and the parable of the sheep and goats. And this morning, because we're taking a significant portion to come together as a community and celebrate communion, we don't have a lot of time. So we're going to hit these stories fast and quick. 
but God has something to place on your heart this morning. So let's bow our heads one more time for a word of prayer as we begin. God, we thank you. You've brought us through another week. We couldn't have done it without you, and we're we're here today. We're praising you. And God, the desire of our heart is to be nearer, still nearer to you. So we come into your living room, place ourselves down at your feet. We look up into your loving face, and we say, what do you have for us today? And as we open scripture for just a few moments, God, I pray that you, the author of scripture, will be present in this space and whisper words of on high to each and every one of us. God, we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to start in verse 14. The translation you'll see on the screen is the New Living Translation, but don't worry, whatever you've got in front of you is just okay as long as you're reading it and diving into it. So Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 is where we're beginning. I hear some rustling of pages, so I'll give you some time to get there. Remember, we're in the middle of the parables. Jesus has been telling parables about his soon return, and he's just finished up the one about the shouts saying, hey, the the bridegroom comes, the bridegroom comes. Then he tells his disciples, Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, again, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Verse 15. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. Some of you might be thinking, hey, I'm reading along with my Bible, and my Bible says, talents. And that's absolutely correct. If your Bible says talents, talent was a a weight or a measurement of money in the time of Jesus. And the challenge with our English versions of saying talents is we'll sometimes quickly jump to what we understand of as talents today is the, the given abilities that we have, right? Some of you are talented in, I don't know, knitting, cross stitching. Some of you are talented on the basketball court. Some of you are talented in public speaking. Others of you are talented in in graphic design and, and aesthetics. But that's not what the master gives the servants. He gives him real money. And some versions will say gold, some will say silver. It's their attempt to quantify what the master was giving his servants. But what is interesting to note is that each servant got a different amount of money, right? Probably you would want to be the one who's got the five bags of silver, right? Anybody have student loans, want to get those paid off? Five bags of silver would go a long way to do that, right? (laughs) It would, right? Why did I only get one bag of silver? But here's the thing. The master divided in proportion to the ability of the servants. And as we look at this passage, we have to pay careful attention, not necessarily at the servants, but at who the master is. Because here's the thing. The master trusts his servants, If you know this story, you'll come to find out later on that one of them is not faithful in their dealing with what the master has given them. But it doesn't matter. The master trusts his servants. God trusts you. Though we fall seven times, Proverbs 27 will say, the righteous get back up. It's the wicked that are led to destruction. God trusts you. He's got a mission and a calling that he's placed on your life that he needs you and wants you to accomplish, and he places it in front of you and says, you've got this. We're in this together. I trust you to carry out my will 
in your life. And the master also gives according to their ability. Now, we can't take this too far, but perhaps God gives us what we're able to handle. And though the situation seems overwhelming at the time, even though we've been brought to a challenge and a trial, God will see us through it. So here's what happens with those bags of silver. Matthew 25, 16 through 18. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The entrepreneurs in the room, you guys get that, right? You got a little start with a little bit of money. You start to multiply that, invest it, and it grows. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. So we've got five bags of silver turns into 10. Two bags of silver turns into four. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Each of them were given according to their ability. And even for that last servant, that one bag of silver seemed overwhelming. But let's look at the the master's response in the next verse. This is how he replies to the first two servants. We're going to skip down to Matthew 25, verse 22. The master was full of praise because the servants come back and the one with five says, hey, I've multiplied the five to ten. We're good to go. The other one says, hey, I've multiplied the two to four. Here's, Here's your money back. And the master is full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's let's celebrate together. They're happy about that. They had accomplished the master's will. The master was pleased. Let's look at the response of the master towards the unfaithful servant. Matthew 25. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Because this guy had gone and he dug dug a hole in the ground. He just buried his money. You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. He continues on. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Verse 30. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on the receiving end of that admonishment from the master. Do you? I imagine if this had happened in a, in a Hispanic household, the chancla would have come out. Anybody relate? Chancla was thrown. Master's not happy because he said the, the least thing you could have do, it takes no effort to take it to the bank so that it might just earn a little bit of interest and earn a little bit of return. And we look at this story, it's obvious that perhaps we should model our lives after the faithful servants, the ones who have gone and done what the master has asked them to do and not this unfaithful servant. But here's the thing. The temptation in this story is to look at it and say, I've got to go out and work harder. I've had this entrusted to me, and so I've got to run around from here to there to there to there to accomplish God's will for my life. But here's the thing. None of the servants worked harder because they were given according to their abilities. God has placed inside of you, each and every single one of you, gifts and abilities and talents that he's called you to use. And he says, simply just use them. Give them back to me through service and I 
will return to you rich rewards. Because when we take of what God has given to us and we turn it back to him, we say, God, thank you. Here's what I'm able to accomplish. God says, well done, good and faithful servant. We don't have to try harder. All we have to do is work according to the gifts and the abilities that God has given us. But what does that look like? What does that faithfulness look like of the two who had five multiplied to ten, two multiplied to four? What does that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. And Jesus is glad you asked as well because he continues with another parable that's directly connected to this because we can be tempted in this moment to look at faithfulness and say, oh, there's a rule of law I have to keep. There's these ten commandments that I've got to make sure I'm, I've got the checklist checked off, right? Entering into the, the Christmas time, there's the, the song about Santa that sees you when you're sleeping, knows when you're awake, knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Often that's the picture that we have of God. But that's not who God is. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 33, Jesus shifts and he says, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. What a day that will be, right? When Jesus comes back. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he'll separate the people as a shepherd separate, separates sheep from goats. He'll place the sheep on his right hand and he'll place the goats at his left. There's a time of reckoning. When Jesus comes back, the earth is divided. And here's what he has to say to the two groups of people. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Verse 35. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited uh, me into your home. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Verse 37 continues. Then the righteous ones who have just heard this said to them from the king, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you? or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did, you ever see, when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? This is what the king replies in verse 40. The king will say, I tell you the truth. When you do it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are doing it to me. And Jesus has just told a parable about the faithful servants versus the unfaithful servants. And his point is, don't work harder. What I need you to do is love your neighbor. It's not about working harder and trying to achieve what God is, you feel God has placed on your life. All he says, are you looking out for the people around you? Because by loving others, you're loving me. And by loving me, you're loving others. And it's this beautiful circle, this dance that God calls us to live. And what's the beautiful part about these people is that they're so intent on making sure the needs of the people around them are cared for that they don't, they're not even seeking credit. They're not the ones that have gone out and say, oh, this is what gets me to heaven. No, when the master comes back and says, or the king says, hey, you've done all of this to me, they're like, where were you? I didn't see you at all that. And Jesus says, no, by loving my children, you're loving me. And that's what connects you to me. Because Jesus' life was characterized through thick and thin, in and out, no matter who he was talking to, whether it was the Pharisees in admonishment, the disciples in love, the different people that he interacted with, he always spoke to people in love. 
and showed that he cared for the people around him. There's another group of people in the story. Matthew 25 continues on. The king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Next verse. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? The king replies, he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. He finishes with verse 46. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. So here's where we finish this morning. Normally, I I will share some illustrations, you know, kind of make everybody laugh, you know, kind of make sure that you are with me in the story and everything. But here's the deal. Today, you are the illustration. Jesus has called us to love one another. And there was a moment in an upper room about 12 hours before he would be crucified that he's with his disciples. And he tells them, a new commandment I give you, love one another. And if you love one another, the world will know that you're my disciples by your love. And within the context of that conversation, Jesus strips down, bends down on his hands and knees and takes a basin of water and begins to watch each and every disciple's feet. He says, I love you. I love you. He even washes Judas' feet, the one who betrays him. So this morning, we as a faith community, as a family, have the opportunity to enter into the story. And to be the living illustration of that this morning. I love how Ellen White puts it. One of the founders of our denomination, fantastic author in the book, Acts of the Apostles, a commentary on the the life of the disciples after Jesus had left. This is what she says. Christ has given to the church a sacred charge. Every member should be a channel through which God can communicate to the world the treasures of his grace, the unsearchable riches of Christ. There is nothing that the Savior desires so much as agents who will represent to the world his spirit and his character. There is nothing that the world needs so much as the manifestation through humanity of the Savior's love. Can we let that sink in for just a moment? There is nothing. Nothing means nothing. We don't have to parse that at all. Nothing, nothing, okay? There is nothing that the world needs so much as the manifestation through humanity, that's you and me, of the Savior's love. All heaven is waiting for men and women through whom God can reveal the power of Christianity. Zeal for God and his cause moved the disciples to bear witness to the gospel with mighty power. Should not a like zeal fire our hearts with a determination to tell the story of redeeming love, of Christ and him crucified? It is the privilege of every Christian not only to look for, but to hasten the coming of the Savior. So, here's what we're going to do. Praise team's going to come up here um, and lead us through some more songs. But before they do that, or kind of while they do that, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to set my Bible down for a moment. Over here, outside the church in appropriately spaced distance chairs. We're trying to do this as safely as possible. We've got some chairs set up. We've got some basins that look like this. 
And in, inside of each basin, there's two water bottles. You guys can see those there. And there's some paper towels. And here's what we have the opportunity to do as a community. We are able to exit those doors right back over there. These doors here, there's chairs that kind of go up that way and then chairs that wrap around the building. If it's your desire this morning to follow the example of Jesus and to be the living illustration today, here in this moment, invite you in a moment, I'll tell you when, to head on outside. Maybe you're going to go with the person that you're sitting next to. Maybe you're sitting alone. Make sure to look to your left and right, see who's sitting alone and ask that person the engaged question this morning. Can I wash your feet? Because that act of washing feet, that act of bending down and serving someone else, that's love. That's the illustration today. That's the whole point of the story. Jesus says, you don't have to work harder. You just have to love like I love. And if you love like I love, which means placing myself aside, and it's an other-centered love that I'm doing everything I possibly can for my neighbor, for someone who's sitting next to me. That's what the gospel is. That's what Jesus calls us to do. I love how by taking care of others, we can show Jesus' love. I want to be like Jesus' sheep. Those who fed and clothed others were in turn doing it to and for Jesus. I encourage you today to do for others in these trying times, which I know is very difficult. Easier said than done. But by preparing others, we prepare ourselves for Jesus' soon return. Well, I want to encourage you to come back on Thursday. We will be releasing another retake conversation episode where I sit down with Michael and we discuss everything that we've been talking about in Matthew 25. And I'm super duper excited to dive in deep. So I invite you back on Thursday. Stay tuned and thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening. Elevate Retake is recorded weekly at Elevate, a community fellowship of Keene Church. Our audio is captured by Blake Snyder. Sound design and editing are done by Shane Miosi and Inspire Productions. Executive producers are Michael Gibson and Jonathan Coker. Our host is Taylor Weaver. Our team includes Evelyn Alanis, Candice McCormick, Simu Ciologa, Alicia Galvan, Emily Weaver, Zandria Andrade, Megan Metzner, and AJ Adams. Special thanks to 88.3 KJRN and the Keen Church Media Team. You can find Elevate on Instagram at thisiselevatetx. For more about Elevate Community Fellowship, visit thisiselevate.org. Currently, our services are live streamed every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Central Time at thisiselevate.org forward slash live. We'd love to have you join us. There's always room for one more.